Welcome to the Daily Thunder Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Rabar, beat writer for DailyThunder.com. Every week, we will have guests ranging from national sports writers and local reporters to OKC celebrities and Thunder staff and players. This week, the man who started it all, I wouldn't be here without him, a man who needs no introduction, Daily Thunder founder, ESPN's Royce Young. Our guest this week on the Daily Thunder Podcast is... ESPN, NBA writer, and Daily Thunder godfather, Royce <laughs> Young. How are you doing, Royce? Uh, what's the, what's the um, official, like the really cool sounding thing? Is it uh, Emeritus, Editor Emeritus? I don't think I'm technically that, but that sounds cool. I've That's pretty good. Emeritus. Yeah. I'll talk to uh, Cray and John about putting that on the masthead. Can you I get that title? That <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll apply you for should it. be. I'll be honest. I feel like you should be hosting this podcast, not me. All right, let's turn it around. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do appreciate you taking your time out of your really busy schedule right now, mm-hmm. though, mm-hmm. to be on with us. I know, you know, things are moving, you know, a thousand miles an hour over there for you. I, lo- I do love it. A lot of people send me emails still, like ask me things and like, I'm sure you're really busy. And it's like, okay, I know everybody's just in the habit of starting every email that way to somebody, <laughs> but like, I'm not. <laughs> right? like, like, like you can't hide behind that. That used to be like your way to get out of, well, I'm just really busy right now. Like if anybody thinks I'm actually busy right now, like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> um, I do want to start this off. I would, I, I got to start off a daily Thunder podcast with Roy Young by saying that we are all really thankful for you creating this incredible website and maintaining it all throughout the years, you know, a whole decade, putting out great content and creating just this great community, uh, you know, Thunder fans to meet up and it's been a hub. And so, you know, we appreciate that. And then, you know, as you know, you kind of passed on the torch, we've just been trying to put out great content and it's kind of like the, uh, what would Royce do? Like, we're just trying to like maintain, <laughs> maintain you know, the great content and, and keep up the great reputation for, for daily thunder that you, that you started and created. Well, I, I think I've, I've hopefully told you guys this enough before, but, um, I've been extremely thrilled and, um, pleased by seeing what you and Cray and John and Rachel and everybody else involved and all the, the new voices and the writers and everybody jumping in. It's always kind of what I imagined Daily Thunder could become. Like I was always kind of an uncomfortable. I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to that stuff. And I could never really completely let it go. But like I always wanted it to be like this landing place for a lot of Thunder voices. And I think you guys have done an exceptional job of that while also kind of pushing into some, some new places. So, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with how Daily Thunder has transitioned and evolved since I finally let my cold, dead fingers get away from it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm going to make things a little bit weird for just a second because okay. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story. So, you know, our grandparents, you know, they remember that where they were when JFK was shot. My parents remember where they were when John Lennon was shot. Well, I'll tell my kids, I remember where I was when I got an email from Royce Young uh, asking me <laughs> to write for Daily Thunder because it was such a thrilling like experience for me. And it kind of started me on this path. And I'll make it even weirder by saying like, you know, I was so excited. I got into it and I started writing for you that I felt like I let you down. 
Cause like a few months into it, then I got engaged and I had to pay uh, the wedding and I got married and I got so distracted. I know I, I couldn't focus on my real priority, which was writing for daily thunder. Yeah. And I had to focus on this new wife and kids and all this stuff. That well, came if, you, but if you're wondering, I, I've always held a grudge and I still think <laughs> about it. And I'm very bitter. <laughs> Okay. Well, at least I know now, yeah. you know, I want to, like, I'm doing this. I wanted to confront you personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Good. Good. Now this that's on the yeah, table. We got and, that out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So as far as thunder news goes, um, the big news right now is they've reopened the practice facility. Mm -hmm. And if anybody knows about this, I'm sure it's you, any insight into what players are going, how many players are going, if the Thunder themselves have kind of made it voluntary for everybody to go or not, what kind of what's the setup for for the practice right now? Yeah, so it's totally voluntary. That's kind of league mandated to keep it that way. Uh, we don't know which players are going. I think you can kind of there's a lot of players that did leave Oklahoma City, so I think you can kind of draw conclusions on you know I don't I don't necessarily want to speculate, but I will recklessly anyway. So like a guy like Darius Baisley probably is going to the practice facility. A lot of the younger players that don't have you know, houses in Los Angeles, <coughs> Chris Paul, <laughs> or, or uh, some of those players that, that maybe didn't have, don't have access to a gym uh, like they otherwise would. So they did have players in the, in the gym yesterday. I don't know how many, you know, they have to follow some pretty strict rules and the Thunder are taking an approach to where they are testing their players um, that are coming in for workouts. And it's not necessarily a test every single time that they come in, but they're being tested regularly. So, and I'm sure the Thunder would want me to make sure I mention that they are doing it through private resources. And they have basically a doctor's note that's written documentation saying that they're not putting any strain on state resources or anything else that they basically, basically been cleared to do this. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how many players were there, but I, I'm sure it was, it was a pretty good handful of them. Now, do you have any sort of insight or it doesn't even have to be insight. It can just be a prediction based on what you know and, and how you feel like things are going. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think Sam Presti knows, to be honestly. Right. Do you think there will be a playoffs? And if so, what do you think that'll look like? Are, are you um, in line with this uh, Disney World, Orlando or Las Vegas mm -hmm. line of thinking where they'll house the entire playoffs? Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, I, I'm still very optimistic that there will be a conclusion to this season. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons as to why. The, the first and most obvious one that everybody's going to point out is money, right? Just like direct money right now. Um, it affects the bottom line. You know, Starting May 15th, players started seeing uh, money missing from their paychecks. And that can be a motivating factor. And when it comes down to it, it is going to be just Adam Silver's decision, essentially. And I think Adam Silver is very motivated to finish the NBA season because um, even though we're seeing some challenges that Major League Baseball is having right now, the NFL, obviously college sports, but it's pretty widely um, understood that those sports, it's specifically the NFL and Major League Baseball, the two top peers of uh, the NBA are going to have seasons. And the NBA is kind of looking at this and saying, we're not going to be the only one to not have a season here and not conclude our season. Now the NBA is in a difficult situation that they have to restart their league. Major league baseball just postponed it. The NFL can spend months planning to prepare for whatever their opening weekend looks like. The NBA had to stop and now has to restart in some way. And that's going to require so many different things. You know, like the, the players union is going to have to collectively bargain all like you should see the list of things that are going to be collectively bargained because 
you know, from like qualifying offer deadlines, team option deadlines, rookie extension. I mean, like all these things have to be, there has to be new deadlines set because the new league year is going to be pushed back. You know, normally that's July 1st when free agency would open. Well, that's not going to happen. So you're going to have to push the new league year to a new date. And that's going to like start this domino effect. So there's so many little boxes that got to get checked, but at the end of the day, I'm optimistic it will happen just because from a branding and a financial standpoint, the NBA needs to conclude this season. And, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of players that are not interested in returning. I think that that is a case, but I don't know how much that matters. I don't know how much like the 30%, I'm just throwing out a number, like of players that don't want to come back. I don't know how much that's going to matter. At the end of the day, it's going to be the owners and Adam Silver that are going to really be the drivers of that decision. So I think the most likely scenario is what, you know, I guess it's cool to call it a campus environment. Now they don't like the bubble term so much anymore, but whether that's Walt Disney world, whether that's Vegas, whether that's somewhere else, whether, whether it may be, you know, uh, smaller kind of like regional sites, I think that is the most likely situation. But, you know, I think if, if you're following the news, like you're hearing California's governor say it, you're hearing Andrew Cuomo say it, um, Florida's governor set up that they're, open and willing to house professional sports again. So I think that's a positive step for the NBA returning, maybe even in their own States, just without fans in the building. So if the NBA does return and most people are predicting that they'll go straight to the playoffs and, and skip the rest mm-hmm. of the regular season. If that happens, you have OKC Utah first round. Uh, and now we just heard that Utah is going to be missing a big piece what's your prediction on our first round matchup with the uh, Thunder and Jazz if it happens and how much of the storyline is going to be, you know, the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, COVID-19 night in Oklahoma city. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty fitting, right. To yeah. like pick the season back up where it left off, <laughs> you know, I think right. that would be pretty fitting. And I don't know that it'll matter. You know, I know some people would be like that game March 11th was for the four five seed. Like if the Thunder win, they're the four seed and they lose home. Like, I don't know that home court advantage is really going to matter anymore <laughs> right, right here. Yeah. So All right. don't be too upset about that one. I actually think though, from a matchup standpoint, I, I think the jazz would have been one of the teams the Thunder kind of would have wanted to play. I, I think in years past, the jazz proved to not be a great matchup for the Thunder um, b- based on their defensive scheme. But I think, you know, a lot of what they do is they play the drop coverage with Rudy Gobert and they basically uh, uh, have Russell Westbrook battle his own worst enemy, which is himself, and and see if Russell could resist uh, and make good decisions in, in the mid-range. So, you know, now you have the Thunder on this side. It, they're one of the best, probably the best mid-range team in the NBA right now, statistically speaking, and really one of the best we've seen in the last decade. So I think you kind of put the jazz scheme versus that. And I, I think at the end of the day, Brandon, it'll just be like, do the, are the Thunder making their shots? If the Thunder make their mid-range jumpers, they're going to win that series. If they don't, it's going to be a tough series to win. And I think it honestly will come down to kind of almost as simple as that. So speaking of this year's Thunder team, where do you rank them? You know, you've covered the Thunder since day one. Uh, in terms of being a fun team to watch, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the expectations were, were nothing and they've exceeded those. You know, obviously there's been teams that have been way more successful, that have way more star power. But as far as you covering this team, uh, where does this team rank as far as, you know, your favorite Thunder teams? Uh, I would say they're fairly high. I would have to think, you know, I think my favorite Thunder season, I've been, and if you go through the old DTR archives, I think I actually wrote <laughs> this exact thing, that it was the, uh, the year that the Thunder went to the uh, Western Conference Finals and lost the Mavericks. 
And I think I wrote that like, this is, this is your favorite Thunder season ever. Like, remember this because there was, it was all fun and games leading up to that. And there was heartbreak and it was sad that they lost, but like, that was the best it's going to be in terms of lack of true expectation and what's entertaining. Because I think the difference between that team exceeding expectations versus this team is that team had this trajectory, right? Like there was like, you could see like this bright, bright future ahead. Right. And so it was like, oh my gosh, that was so fun. And what's next for them? How good is Kevin going to be? How good is Russ going to be? How good is James going to be? And so like, that was like really uh, intoxicating. This group, while clearly exceeding expectations, probably in a more profound way than that team did. It's like a different trajectory. It's like, enjoy it while it lasts because it won't happen very long. And so like, I think that that kind of cloud over the season, I don't know. I mean, you can probably speak better to this than me, Brandon, but like, do you feel that? Like, is it, is it something in the back of your mind when you're like, Oh, that was an awesome overtime win against Philly, but they probably won't be again. You know, like there's nothing to build on here. And so, and, and also kind of knowing that like this team does have a ceiling. I think that it's pretty well understood that like winning a playoff series would be a massive achievement. Right. I don't think anybody's thinking like, well, they might be at things might break, right? And like, maybe, maybe the most optimistic Thunder fan is trying to th- sort out matchups to get them into the Western Conference Finals. I don't know. Right. But um, I don't know. That, that to me seems like the difference in, in where like I would rank this season versus some of those really entertaining seasons is that those seasons were like, oh, there's something better to come. And this one's like going to go the other way, you know? Right. No, I, I completely agree with that. I feel like the one, you know, thing to kind of hold on to as far as like the trajectory going up has been Shea, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he is kind of the cornerstone moving forward. So I feel like it to me, it's almost been kind of two separate things. You're rooting for the team. You know, it's been fun, like you said, watching this team exceed expectations, but knowing that there's there's a cap on it and knowing that it is going to be this season. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, but Shea. But I mean, yeah. you know, just like watching the Shea development. But Shea. But Shea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a lot more fun we... to say that than think, but draft picks, because draft picks, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them there, but they're not as fun to think about necessarily in the uh, present moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've been, I've been scouting you know, like a lot of middle schools, though. I mean, like there's some good players out there. There's, Watch there's a lot 20, of 25. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the only other bit of Thunder news that's come out during this shutdown has been uh, Andre Robertson uh, got on a podcast with the with Colorado Buffaloes blogger, writer, and he said that he's ready to play. He said that he feels like the trainers will say he's a full go. Of course, we heard that at the beginning of the season, and then, you know, just things didn't happen. Do you think Dre will, will one, I guess, play this season if it were to happen again, and then, two, ever play for the Thunder again? That's a good question to phrase it. Just like, what's more likely, Andre Robertson to play this season or the NBA to play this season? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, um, honestly, at this point, I think the Andre Robertson's more of a a, of a toss up. It's like, I don't know. (laughs) um, You know, I know that he sounded optimistic on that podcast, and that's great because I think a lot of what Dre was battling was some confidence in a return. And what that might look like. I think that's why he stepped away from the team, went to California to kind of uh, privatize his his rehab. And so, if he's feeling good about it, I think that that's that's a massive step forward. Is that you know how he feels about getting back out on the court? I think the Thunder would would view it. You know, look, look they're going to evaluate him and see where he's at when things come back in terms of his explosiveness and his conditioning and all that type of stuff. But look, he's a guy that can help your team, and it might not be in a thirty four minute 
starter role anymore. It might be more of a 12 minute role playing role. And that, I think that kind of adjustment is, is out there for Andre Robertson. And it probably needs to be based on where his career is going to go. And, you know, he's a free agent coming up. And if he wants to continue in the NBA, he's, he's going to have to be open-minded about playing a different type of role rather than a starting position. Obviously, as you know, Brandon, like he had a very unique position in Oklahoma city to be able to be a very heavily weighted one-way player but still fit very well within the context of a team based on the personnel around him. That's not going to be the case around the league. So I, I think that for, for Dre coming back this year, I, I think it's on the table and I think that there's reason to believe it. I mean, look, he's, he's got a lot of extra time between now and uh, or then and now to when uh, he could get back on the court at the same point. I mean, it's been two and a half years since he's played an NBA game. So this sounds kind of rude and callous, but like the way I honestly look at it is like, I'll believe it when I see it. When I like, even if Andre Robertson says I'm playing tomorrow night's game, I'm going to need to see him on the court, walk out there and play in the game before I actually believe he's going to play. Because (laughs) I've heard a lot about how close he was. He himself, like you mentioned in training camp said, well, I don't even remember how he said it. It was like, I'm I'm full go or um, fully cleared or whatever he said. And then he didn't practice at all. Right. Training, you know, so like it's it's kind of um, you know, it's uh, fool me once, shame on whatever. Right. <laughs> I want to George W. Bush this. Um, it's the player who cried wolf type thing. Right. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. Um, okay, so I got to talk to you about. I, I think this is pretty cool, and I don't know if you've if you've thought about it or not. But, you know, like I said, you've been there since day one of the Thunder. You've now outlasted Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Scott Brooks, James Harden. Like you're in my you're jersey. Like the, Put it in the rafters. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> there needs to be a Royce Young night at the Chesapeake. <laughs> but I, you've been so closely intertwined, you know, with the first decade of, of Thunder basketball. And I think you always will be. And, you know, as they're shifting into a new era Obviously, that you know that first decade, it it, it kind of wrote its own book, and now we're going on to this new one. And you're still covering the Thunder, which I think is just really cool. I mean, you know, other writers have, you know, we've seen a lot of writers go other places and things like that, and you're still covering the Thunder. So I want to talk a little bit before we let you go about you know the past era of Thunder basketball and how it'll mm-hmm. be remembered. Do you think it'll ultimately be remembered as a success or a disappointment? Um, I think it just depends on how you define success, right? I think a lot of people, the people that are like titles are nothing. And if you're not first, you're last. <clears throat> if you got the Ricky Bobby mentality, right. you're going to look at, you're going to look at the, th- the, the original Thunder era as a failure that they had all these great players. They had three MVPs. They had future hall of famers scattered throughout their rosters. And the best they could do was muster one NBA finals. I, and look, I, I think that those types of people, I don't think that's a, a fun type of fan to be, but like, I understand that perspective that like you view it as championships are the goal and they failed in that regard. So look, I, I think that that's fair to say that the Thunder did fail. On the other hand, I think if you look at it in a more macro level of what the first era of Thunder basketball represented, which first and foremost was establishing professional sports in Oklahoma City, which seemed impossible to do to turn the Oklahoma City Thunder, for crying out loud, into a household NBA name to establish uh, like something bigger than basketball in OKC where the Thunder have been at the forefront of kind of a revolution within our city. I think that like in that types of mindset, 
it's been an overwhelming success. So if you're willing to look at it more that way, and then you can kind of uh, get into the nuanced perspective of you. If you told Thunder fans back in 2008, when they were watching that team that was three and 29, they're like, just wait, you're, you're going to go to four Western conference finals. You're going to see uh, two MVPs. You're going to see literal NBA history. You're going to watch two of the probably 30 best players of all time play in this arena night in and night out. Uh, or actually maybe more than that if you throw James Harden in there. So like if you if you go through all that you're going to you're going to have an NBA finals in Oklahoma City. I, I often tell people I remember going to a preseason Thunder game back in 2008 when they first came here with my best friend Andy and we were sitting up in Loud City like very, the very top and we were like it was kind of like embarrassing to be at like a Thunder game. It was kind of like what is this? It felt like really stupid to be there, honestly. <laughs> like, what is this game? Like, how am I supposed to care about this team? And we were like talking about like, and what if they made it to the playoffs one day? Like, can right. you imagine if this team was in the playoffs one day? Yeah. And he was like, what if they made it to like a big series, like the Western finals? Like, cause you know, like we remember watching those Kings and Lakers, Western conference finals, Blazers, Lakers. Oh yeah. Like, what if they made, like, how intense would that be? And like, guess what happened? They made it to that stuff. So like, yeah. uh, from my mind, like it couldn't have been more successful. But then again, that's just the perspective that I take. I'm not a championships or everything kind of person. Heck, I've been a Cubs fan for most of my life. So of course <laughs> I'm not. Um, I think that there's, there's a larger picture to the story. I think there's kind of a beauty to the failure in some ways. And while I think some people will look at the Thunder as the great franchise that wasn't, you know, the great what if of NBA history, like I kind of look at it as there's a beauty to that. Like they have these great players. And I think, I think over time you can kind of embrace the fact that like these players played in Oklahoma city and put, put the thunder and Oklahoma city at large on a, on a global map. I, I think you put that perfectly. I'm really glad you said that because there is a definite rings culture now where it's, where it's championship or nothing. And, and I, Honestly, it's a bummer to see how many people talk about that era of Thunder basketball in, in a negative way, in a negative light. And I think you hit on all the positives that were that era. And, and I, I hope that ultimately one day most fans, at least Oklahoma City fans, outside fans will say what they'll say. But hopefully, you know, Oklahoma City realizes what we've had and, and how good it's been and how successful yeah. it's been. Well, um, and let me say this, too. Let me say this, too. So, like, you saying that made me think of this, that – at some point, someday, I'm pretty sure the Thunder, it might be in 50 years if they're still in Oklahoma City, are going to win a title. I mean, I like it, the bell tolls for each franchise one day. It all comes together at some point. And that's when you package all that failure and heartache and hurt, and it comes together and it makes it just so much more gratifying than it ever would have been. And I think in some ways, had the Thunder just like had this meteoric rise and then they win a title in 2012 – I don't honestly know what the, the history of the Thunder looks like at that point, where it's like this almost poetic, perfect, like, you know, crest to like a moment where it's like, boom, boom, boom. It, wow, that was really easy. Like, right. I, I don't I don't know what this might be way too hot of a take, but like, I think that almost might have been detrimental to the franchise and to the fan base going forward of like, uh, it was that easy to win an NBA title. And like being that spoiled that early on as a young fan base, rather than going through the things that every franchise goes through where you, you fail and you hurt and you think about those moments and you talk about game six and this moment and that moment and Russell's knee and Patrick. And like, you have these like kind of bonding experiences where you, you hurt and you fail. I think that's great for a fan base. And I think that that's kind of what the beauty of a sports fan is. Um, So like, I, I think that over time people will, will learn to appreciate that type of perspective more. At least I hope so. I know that again, like you said, rings culture is 
Like if you don't win, it wasn't worth playing the game. And I just don't buy into that because look, one team wins every year. One. Right. And if you look at, look at the arc of NBA history, what do the Lakers have? 16. I don't know. The Celtics have 17. The Lakers have 16. Like it is, it is so lopsided on who's got all those titles. Okay. Like the Spurs have kind of warped everybody's mindset that like, it's just that easy for like all these other cities to win them. Like it's not, (laughs) it is such a special moment. One team wins every year one. So like, it's not easy to do. And uh, so I I think you just got to embrace the other, other victories rather than just that one ultimate penultimate goal. That's that's perfectly put. And I think you're exactly right. And I think had they won in 2012 or 2013, had the rest of the, you know, the meniscus Patrick Beverly thing not happened or, you know, 2016, I think you're right. I think that, you know, if, if this fan base in the city, the state would have got that success so early, um, you know, what would have happened, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you know, you, you get the, the ultimate prize right away. I don't think that, you know, whenever it does come, whenever, like you said, the bell does toll for this franchise, I think that will better, you know, you know, we won't take it for granted. And I think that'll taste even better when it does happen Mm -hmm. because, you know, of these things that happened along the way and getting so close and not getting to taste it. So again, I speak as a Cubs fan that, (laughs) you know, for my entire childhood i watched every cub failure and like you know kind of uh, wallowed in that misery and then there was that ultimate payoff and i think in some ways a lot of cubs fans lost their identity when the cubs won the world series like they went from like that team like that kind of bonding experience and so i mean look no cubs fan is unhappy that they won the world series but i do think some lost kind of a, a sense of who they were as a cubs fan because it's like now now we're the team that won like, and now I want to win again. And now I want to win again. And, and they had their most successful three or four run in franchise history and they fired their manager. <laughs> so like, yeah. You know, like, so I, I think that there's kind of some consequence in being, uh, in reaching that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, last thing, uh, before I let you go moving forward, uh, as, as this thunder franchise goes forward with this new era of thunder basketball, you mentioned it earlier, do you have any sort of predictions on, on what happens, you know, whenever the off season, you know, we usually say over the summer, but the off right. season isn't going to be the summer this year. Any predictions as far as, you know, Chris Paul, Gallo, Schroeder, Adams, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought that this team was going to trade off some pieces and, and mm-hmm. rebuild. Some people thought tank, um, you know, obviously this season might've just been its own thing. And then, you know, I don't know if fans expect, this team to come back as is, but there's a very real possibility that some of these pieces won't be here next year. Do you have a prediction on that or what the thunder may do? Um, it, it honestly is pretty hard to predict because I think a lot of it, Brandon just really hinges on what happens with Chris Paul. Uh, and I, I think that look, the thunder, like Chris Paul is not going to uh, leave the, his $44 million on the table. He's like, so like that's, he's going to opt into that. And unless there's a trade partner for the Thunder, I, I honestly think it's, it's just as simple as if the Thunder find a trade partner for Chris Paul where they're not giving him away, um, that they feel they feel good about that trade. Because, again, trading Chris Paul is an extension of trading Russell Westbrook. It's, the, it's more return on the Russell Westbrook trade. That's when, that's when the kind of the rebuild begins. Uh, that's when you can start to, to disassemble the team, sell off some other parts. Because Sam Presti, as we all know, is not – uh, a knee-jerk executive. He's not going to just tear down the team to do it. If he wanted to do that, I think a lot of people had this mindset going into the trade deadline. Oh, he's going to tear apart the team. He's going to do it right here. Here it comes. But like, if he was going to just tear apart the team, 
he would have done it before the season started. Right. Like it, there, there was no reason to just play out the year and see what happens. He was trying to maximize the value of every player on the roster. And that was kind of happening with how well the Thunder played. And so uh, he was waiting for the good offers to come. And if, if people hit the price tag, he was going to make the deal. Now, are they going to re-sign Danilo Gallinari? That doesn't really fit into like a future track of what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but I think, I think it essentially means that every player is available for the right price on the roster. And that begins with Chris Paul. If Chris Paul gets traded, that's when you start to kind of pull some uh, of the planks off the wall and start to sell off your spare parts. But until that happens, I, and, and honestly, I think at this point, Brandon, my prediction, here's my prediction. I'm dancing around it. <laughs> I think it's more likely much more likely that Chris Paul plays next season in Oklahoma city than he does. I, I, I would guess that Chris Paul plays next year in OKC. And again, the caveat there is that somebody comes in and offers a first round pick for him. But like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Nice. That's, that's going to be the soundbite we use to, to promote this, <laughs> this episode. Royce Young officially predicts that Chris Paul plays in Oklahoma City yeah. next year. Or gets <laughs> traded to the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be like the fine print. <laughs> Royce, thank you so much, not only for coming on today to be on the podcast, but again, I got to say it. Thank you for creating Daily Thunder in the first place and, and being so gracious as to pass on the torch. And you've been just so great in, in everything, you know, all along the way. So just appreciate everything you do, man. You bet, man. It's uh, it's an honor to be on here. I know I was never good enough to do a Daily Thunder podcast, so <laughs> it, it feels it feels uh, like I've achieved something being on this podcast in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. That is Royce Young, uh, NBA writer for ESPN and Daily Thunder creator founder. Thank you for listening and for supporting Daily Thunder. If you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, you might just hear it on the show. You can follow our guests as if you're not already. Royce Young, at Royce Young, the best Thunder follow you'll ever make. I'm in the top like 20, though. Give me a follow at Brandon Rabar as I cover the Thunder beat. If you become a patron of the show, you'll receive early access to daily Thunder content, including bonus podcast segments, along with a weekend edition, a rundown of the best stories, news, tweets, and shenanigans from the Thunder universe, complete with a letter from the editor written exclusively for our patrons. You can join today at patreon.com slash daily thunder. This podcast is produced by Rachel Jameson. You can follow her. She's like a top 4,000 Thunder follow at Rach Jameson. Send your questions and feedback to dailythunder at gmail.com and stay on dailythunder.com every day to catch the latest Thunder news, recaps, analysis, interviews, and all kinds of nonsense. We'll see you next week. Well, bye.